0: and I, we're at war, I thought it would never end, bound, chained, trapped by my sin, who could save me from myself, who could save me from this plight? I heard about a sun that rose just to save me from the night. It was dark. It was cold. The grip of fear was firm and tight. It wasn't until I closed my eyes, I regained my sight. New birth, new life. Old wrongs made right. I can fly. Watch me as I take flight. No doubt, no shame. No grief, no blame. I'm not the same, my character has changed, the author knows my name, he took my sin, he took my chains, he took my past, he took my pain, now only these words remain, I was blind, now I see, I was bound, now I'm free, wore a mask, but now I'm me, freedom is here.
1: You do me a favor and open up your Bibles to the Book of Romans, chapter five. If you were with us last week, you'll know we flew through Romans one through four, all at the uh, all in one sitting. And uh, some of you had the opportunity to take home the Bible study we printed out for you. We have another week's worth over there. Um, if you would like to be a, uh, have that, you can't. It is available online. If you were to go to our media section and download our message. Um, right below it it says uh, you can download the pdf so if you want to just download that bible study for all six weeks you can do that or you can just get us uh, to print it off every week for you and go through it with us as we go freedom that's what paul is really talking about here in the book of romans if you were with us last week Um, I'm going to do a quick review if you weren't with us. This will be really fast compared to last week, which was already really fast. So we're going to kind of throw into hyperdrive. But basically what Paul was doing in the first three chapters is he was writing to the Gentiles and he was writing to the Jews of Rome. And as he was writing to them, he was making sure they knew what it took to be saved. Because they had each gone up to um and heard preaching at pentecost and they brought it back to to rome and because they didn't have a big building to come together in the jews kind of had their own little meeting place and the gentiles had their own little meeting place and in all of that there was some confusion on what it took to be saved there was some confusion on what was going on with uh salvation and what christ had done and what we had to do so paul wanted to lay that out for everybody and say, listen here's the deal this is the way it is, and he tells them this. He basically comes out and says, God has a standard. His standard is righteousness. His standard is righteousness, plain, simple, period. Righteousness is this perfection that God has set up. He wants each of us to be righteous as well. Unfortunately, he tells us, we cannot be righteous. It's not possible. None of us can be it says, for all have sinned and fall short of glory of God. It tells us that in Romans 3.23. But because Jesus came, because Jesus died, because Jesus rose again, we can be perfect in God's eyes. We can be, a word we discussed last week, justified in God's eyes. If you have a bulletin today, you'll see inside your bulletin there is actually a notes page. And on the back of that notes page, you'll have to flip it over because I didn't make the copies right. But on the back of your notes page... Um, it actually has some words we talked about last week and kind of a definition for you, just so you have those as we talk about those again this morning that justification, that grace, that righteousness, those things and what they really mean and what Paul is talking about as we look at it. The thing is, is that because of God's grace, um, he sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins on the cross. He sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins, and he redeemed us, as it says in Romans 3.24, he redeemed us freely through Christ, that we are justified, made as if just as we had never sinned, in God's eyes. And Paul wanted to make it very clear, because so many people get so confused about, what do I have to do in order to be saved? Now, there are things that come after we are saved, because there's a life change, and that's what Paul talks about today. As we get into Romans 5 and 6 today, we're going to kind of take a quick look through it, but we're going to read verse for verse all the way through and kind of point out some things that Paul is talking about. Kind of point out some things that Paul is talking about. So, what I would like for you to do right now, if you haven't already opened up to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, let's pray first and then we'll get started. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your servant Paul who took time to explain to the Gentiles, to the Jews, and even to us, what your grace is all about. And this morning, Lord, as we see this, as we look deeper into it, I pray that you open our eyes and open our hearts and open our minds to what is being said here. Not to take in our own filters and say, well, I think this, I think that. We need to see it exactly for what is written here. Help us to do that this morning, Lord. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Verse 1 of chapter 5 starts off the word, therefore. The reason why there's a therefore is because we need to figure out that he is kind of doing his conclusion. Last week, if you were here, we talked about the fact that he was in this kind of a courtroom scene. He was laying out, this is what the Jews have done wrong. This is what the Gentiles have done wrong. This is the reason why we need a Savior. And now he throws in kind of his final conclusion, his Closing point, if you will, and that's why he starts off with therefore. And now you're thinking closing point in the middle of verse or chapter five, and there's there's how many chapters in this? 16? How's that possible? Well, we'll get to that next week. But therefore, everything I just told you from the beginning of the letter, here is a result of that. Since we have been justified, there's that word justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we've been justified, we now have peace. We have been made right in God's sight. By faith, we have peace. He could really stop right there if he wanted to, but he goes on. He says, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, we, we take this word hope right here. Sometimes we will, we'll say, well, I really hope that it, the wind stops blowing today. I actually do hope that. I hope the wind stops blowing forever, honestly. But... Um, As it's out there and you're thinking, oh, I want to have a picnic later today because the weather is supposed to be somewhat nice. I hope the wind stops. That's not the hope we're talking about here. The hope that is here is the hope that is found that we know, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we have a hope that this isn't the end. This is as bad as it's going to get for us because it's only going to get better when we die. That is the hope, and we have that hope, and that's what he's talking about. We have this hope of the glory of God. Picking up in verse 3, not only so... We also glory in our sufferings. Now that's kind of a weird thing to say that the glory in our sufferings. But what he is saying here is because of that hope we have, we understand that this right here is only temporary. Now, for some of us, it's going to be temp- more temporary than others, but this is temporary. We only live here for a short time. That's the reason why we're celebrating 100 Sundays today and not 100 years, because I don't plan to be around to celebrate the 100th year anniversary of this church, okay? If I am, God help us, okay? Who knows how I'm going to get up here, and who knows how I'm going to speak? But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's going to be real slow, and most of you will probably be right there with me. So hopefully I'm not around for that. The thing is, because this is temporary, we're going to have suffering. And because we know that we're going to have suffering here, and that suffering can be mental, It can be physical, it can be emotional, there can be people that are going to attack you because of your hope that you have. There's going to be things that knock you down, there's going to be sicknesses, there's going to be all sorts of things because this world is temporary. It produces perseverance. Perseverance, if you have the KJV or New New King James Version, that word actually says patience. It produces patience. Because of our suffering, we get patience out of the whole deal we start to understand because we have hope we understand that god's in control these things start to happen and you know the funny thing is if you look back to verse uh, 16 of chapter 1 paul said it last week i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ i am not ashamed of it how can he not be ashamed of the gospel of christ he's getting ridiculed he's getting bombarded by people people are telling me he's dumb people say that's just a crutch what are you doing how can you possibly believe in something you can't see And he says, my suffering has produced this patience, this perseverance to get through these things. And that perseverance has built up my character. And character has given me, once again, hope. It's kind of this roundabout cyclical cycle here. And it says in verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, just at the right time, while we were still what? Say it with me sinners powerless while we were still sinners while we are still powerless that is a reminder that Paul wanted to throw up back to verses or chapters 1 through 4 we couldn't do it on our own christ died for the ungodly he makes a very clear point here that we can all relate to look at this it says very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though a good person someone might possibly dare to die but god demonstrates his own love for us while we are still sinners Christ died for us. We weren't good. We had no deserving qualities. It's like us saying, you know, all these guys we watch on the news, I you know what? I came to the realization how much I hate watching the news. Cuz it's constantly constant. I watch it for the weather. So at at 9:17 and 10:17, I turn on the TV so I could see that part of the weather, so I miss all the stuff up at the front because that stuff there's just bad person after bad person after bad person on there that have done dumb dumb things and i want to say what is your problem the good thing is paul's going to talk about it here in just a second but as we see that it's like saying we see these people that are getting punished for doing the things that they do to children and doing the things that they do to their neighbors and doing these things and we say you know what i really just want to take their place i think that they should get a second chance and i'm going to take their punishment that's not going to happen but that's exactly what Jesus did for us. And that's what it talks about here in, in chapter 5, verse 8. Verse 9 says, Since, since we have been now justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more have we been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also want to boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received Reconciliation. We're now reconciled with him. We're now on the same plane. Our sins have been paid for. How awesome is that? And the thing is, is the, all the people that are reading the letter, you can almost imagine they're sitting there going, but Paul, I mean, really, I'm not like those people. I'm not a bad person. I do good things. I love my family. I do most of this stuff. I mean, I haven't broken any of the big laws. I mean, there's 10 of them there that we've been given, and I haven't broken all of them. I've broke maybe, you know, I've fibbed a time or two and maybe, you know, I've looked at a woman in the wrong sort of way, but I haven't done the big things. And Paul says here, in Romans 5, chapter 12, he says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and this way death came to all people because all sinned. He goes back to that Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, I just want to remind you. And how it happened, you may not think it was your fault, and it's not really kind of because it all started out, and he starts bashing on this Adam guy. We all know who Adam is. Adam and Eve, the first guy who sinned. And when that happened, it was born into every single one of us, all the way down, and it didn't stop. And he says, that is the problem here. We're right there. God's plan was messed up by one guy. And because that plan was messed up by one guy, death came to all of us. It was inherited by each and every one of us. We can't do it on our own. No matter how much we say we're good, we're not good enough. Verse 13, to be sure. Sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, nevertheless, death reigned from a time of Adam. Uh, to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking command, as did Adam, whose pattern of the one to come. Pick this up here in 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. Now you might be thinking, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about here. Good thing here is we're going to switch to the New Testament, or the New Living Translation here in just a second. But it says, "For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Sometimes when you start, I'm not exactly a scholar, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not the smartest man in this room by far, okay? I I might be actually on the lower rung of of those people that are in here. So I I really like reading the New Living Translation. I've been reading out of the NIV. I want to switch over to that because it's a little bit easier for me to understand and maybe a little bit easier for you. Let me read that verse 15 again. It says, but there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. That's all of us. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. Now, I want to, you hear this word gift that's being thrown around there. My question is for you, is what is a gift? Today, it's Robert's 35th birthday. Robert, happy birthday. We have a couple. Yeah, you guys are glad for it. That's fine. Yesterday, we had uh, Josiah's 17th birthday. It was yesterday. Uh, Jan. Uh, I think she's over in the in the kids area. Her birthday was yesterday, and we're not we don't say women's ages. So, um, and uh, we also had uh, another birthday yesterday, and so we we had um, uh, Maria, wasn't it, Maria? Uh, oh, right there. Yes, another birthday. So, so we had four birthdays yesterday. I didn't. I'm sorry, I didn't even know about yours. I apologize. So we had four birthdays yesterday for your birthday. Any of you guys who had a birthday yesterday, anybody who's ever had a birthday? Let's just ask that. That way everybody's included, all right? What do you have to do to get your gift? Do you have to do really good things in order to get your gift? Do you have to help your mom and dad out so they buy you something? Do you have to earn it in any way? No, we don't. Or you shouldn't. Okay, because if you do, you have really bad parents. Okay? Um, We don't have to earn gifts. And that is why he keeps using this word gift. It is not something that we earn, and it's not something even so much as the fact that we deserve. It is given freely by the giver. Given freely. There's no strings attached to it. So it says here, but even as God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness, not something that we can earn, to many through this other man, Jesus Christ, the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, or death, but God's free gift leads to us being made right with God, or righteous, or justified, whatever word you want to put in there. Even though we are guilty of many sins, even though we're guilty of death, God's grace and his gift has saved us from that. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death, to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it, On Christmas, on your birthday, when somebody says, here's your gift, and you say, no thanks, have you been given the gift? No, you haven't, because you haven't received it. That's the only thing we have to do, is receive the gift. God's gracious gift. That gift of grace, that gift of salvation, needs to be received. It needs to be received. So it says, for all who receive it, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So one guy's sin condemned us all, right? Well, that's what Paul says. He says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness, his one act of righteousness, brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person, that being Jesus, obeyed God, we, many, will be made righteous. Isn't that just amazing to hear? Isn't that something that you should just be totally excited about? If we we're in a Pentecostal church, people would be running back and forth, waving flags, and beating on tambourines, because that's exciting stuff. That's right. That's the word I was looking for right there. It's exciting. We should be excited to hear this. We should be jumping for joy. We should be out telling people about it. That's right. We should be. It's okay. We shouldn't be sad about this. We should have joy. There's that old spiritual song, free last, free last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Because that's exactly what happened. We are free. Yeah. That's it. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> I got one. Got a hallelujah. Got two. Come on now, people. I know, I know. I'm, I'll pass out tambourines next week. All right, we'll be all set. Here we go. You can even bring your own if you got one in the dust closet. Here we go. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Giving us right standing, giving us righteousness, giving us justification with God and resulting in eternal life. The result of God sending his son was eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In short, Paul says, you know what? Adam's sin, Adam's sin was much bigger than just disobeying and eating some fruit off a tree. It was much bigger than that. It condemned every single one of us to death. And that's a sad thing to think about. But just as that sin came through one man, grace came through another. We sing that song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. Anybody in here watch American Idol? I love American Idol. Most of the time, I just like to watch people do terrible. But I really get into it, and I listen to it. But it seems like every year, people get up there, and they sing that song, and they sing it the best they possibly can. They're singing all about this amazing grace, yet they're only singing it to sing it. They are not listening to the words, because it is amazing. It really, there's no other word for it. It is amazing, the grace that God showed to us. And you know, the whole idea of from basically about verse 21 of chapter 3 through the, what we just read, it's all this justification by faith and not by works. And there's so many people that struggle with the idea of I've got to do something. Something's got to be about me. It's I'm in charge here. There's no way that I can let God... Take all that and not have to do something in in not in return but in with it alongside of it. And Paul says, "Guess what, guys? Let's go ahead and get into chapter six because I'm going to tell you this again. Here's a question I've got for you. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that grace can show us, uh, th- so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? What a great question! Because God poured out all of His stuff on us." Are we free to just sin and do whatever we want? The answer for some people is yes, which is kind of scary. They feel that because of God's grace, moral justification is thrown out. Moral law is gone. We've been justified by God, so we don't have to follow any laws. It's actually a thing called antinomianism. And I know that's a that's a big word, and, and the whole idea of it is, is that There are people that actually fall into this belief category that I can do whatever I want, whatever I want, because God has freed me and saved me from that. So Paul asked his question then, and it's the same thing now. I mean, I've met people that are like that. Say, hey, God saved me. I can do whatever I want. I'm a sinner, so I'm just going to keep on sinning. So Paul says, well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show more and more of his wonderful grace? His answer is, of course not. As a matter of fact... Before he was a Christian, he would have said no with some verbs in front of it and adjectives in front of it. He would have had a few choice words for people. No, we can't keep on sinning. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. New lives. Not old ones that have some cleaned up parts in it. Whole new lives. Had the opportunity to meet with Mike and Jerome on, on Friday. We sat and talked a little bit. We went and sat at a Starbucks. I'm not sure if you've ever sat in a Starbucks before. I am not a coffee drinker, okay? That's not my thing. Uh, the, the whole idea of sitting in a place like that is great because that's free Wi-Fi. That's about all I get out of it. But as we're sitting there, they're kind of in, the, in the corner, and there's these big fluffy chairs, and there's four of them. And there's, the three of us are sitting there, and we're talking, and this lady kind of comes up out of nowhere and sits down. And I was like, hi. We're kind of, you know, and she's like, hey, this is my corner. I sit here every week, so I'm just going to sit down if you guys don't mind. I'm like, hey, you're walking in the middle of a firestorm here. Just going to give you that heads up. It's like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. That's the state evangelism director. And that's the worship director. You ready? Because here we go. And so she she was more than happy to sit and talk to us. And she had all kinds of things. And she was talking about it. And of course, the idea of all this good work stuff comes up. And Mike's explaining it. And I'm explaining it. And the best way I could think to explain it was, and this goes along with last week, I, I grossed some of you out with my pudding and my nose dripping in the pudding thing. But I told, them, I told her, I said, she says, well, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing better, and, and there's some things about me that I've given over to God. And I said, well, this is the deal. When God comes into our life, he just doesn't clean up the outside. He cleans it all up, okay? Because you can polish a turd as much as you want to polish a turd, but on the inside, it's still a turd. And I know that's gross, and some of you went, he just said turd in church. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I told her, I said, it's gone. He's made us completely new. We're no longer fecal matter, okay? If that's better for you than the word turd. Um, that's right. These are not tootsie and there's two of them in there if you want. Um, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how much we try and do and say that, yeah, God's going to clean up this part of my life. No, it's a whole new thing. It's a whole new. We're all new. We're made fresh. Verse 5: since we've been united with him in his death, we'll also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were what? Crucified. That means they are D-E-D dead. Okay? Some of you just getting there's an A in there too. I didn't forget. Don't worry. Crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves. To sin. That sin does not hold us in bondage any longer. For when we died with Christ, we were set free, free at last, from that power of sin. There's a, a movie that I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say that I like because it's rated R, but it's called Braveheart. I love those epic battle movies. And at the end, when they're torturing him, the one word that he musters out freedom. Because it's that important to be free from all the junk. And that was what he fought for and all of that. But we think about it in a way that we are free from the bondage of sin. Because sin will shackle us down. Sin will take your lives apart. It will destroy you. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy everything. Whatever it can. And we are free from that sin because of Christ's death. And it says, since we died with Christ, we know, in verse 8, we know we'll also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Verse 11, so you also, so you also, going back to the question, well then, should we keep on sinning? Of course not. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead To the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of you become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves over completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. You have two choices. We have the choice to either follow God... Or follow our sinful nature. That's it. That's the only choices we have. And you might think, well, isn't there some other things in there? No, that's it. If we choose to not follow God, you are choosing to follow your sinful desires. That is plain. That is simple. There's no other if, ands, or buts about it. We get two choices. If you don't choose God, you choose sin. Look at verse 14. Sin is no longer your master if you choose God. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And that might go well, wait a second. Didn't you just say we can't keep on sinning because of the wonderful grace? Look here what it says again. It's not the fact that we're saved by our works. It's rather by grace. So why can't we just have fun and sin? Why can't we just do that? And really, what it all boils down to is that we're no longer bound by sin. And because God has come into our lives, our whole theme that we have, our whole slogan that we have as Paragon Church is come as you are and then what? Be changed. Be changed. Not come as you are and stay as you are and enjoy the little things that we have to offer you in the 100 grand bars that you get to eat later. That's not what it's about. It's about coming as you are and allowing God to change your life. And God to change who you are from what you were. And not just change parts of it, but change it all. To let him come in and clean you all out. That's what it's about. That's what Paul is trying to tell us here. And that's what he's trying to tell the Jews and the Gentiles. If we give our lives to Christ... We are giving our lives to Him. As we receive this gift, we're giving our lives to Him and saying, I am willing to follow you no matter where it takes us. Verse 15 of Romans chapter 6. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? His answer once again to the same question, of course not. Do you realize that you've become slave to whatever you choose to obey? That is a question we can ask to every single person in this room. Do you realize... That you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey. If you choose to obey and make work your thing, make work the number one, guess what you're gonna become a slave to? Work. If you choose to obey and follow money, because money's the most important thing in your life, guess what you're gonna be a slave to? Money. If you choose to follow God and make God number one in your life, guess who you're going to obey and follow? Guess who you're gonna be a slave to? I know you might think, well, how can you be a slave to God? Well, let's get this. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Sin equals death. Obeying God leads to righteous living. Righteousness is that thing that we've talked about. It's on the back of your paper there, it says, to be in the perfect standard of what God wants you to be. It leads to righteous living. Doesn't mean you're automatically going to be righteous. Doesn't mean you're automatically going to be perfect. But it does mean it leads to righteous living. Thank God once you were slave to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. You have become what? Slaves to righteous living. To one or the other. Be a slave to sin or a slave to God. Who would you rather be a slave to? Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using an illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Remember I was talking about that, watching the news and trying to figure out how people get that bad? It's Because they're slaves to sin. It goes on, and says, Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you become holy. Holy means set apart. Set apart from the things of this world. 20. Verse 20 of chapter 6. Love these next four verses. When you were slaves of sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that ended in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do these things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But. But. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. I'm going to go over this on Easter. I hope you bring in your friends. I hope you bring them. We're going to jump right back into this. Even though we're going to fly through Romans, I want to focus on this one verse on Easter. Because it says, for the wages of sin is death. That means the things that we have earned because of the things that we have done. If you go out and you mow the lawn for your parents, kids, you might get an allowance. Might. I'm not guaranteeing anything but the deal is is when you do something and you have a deal on the table you're going to earn whatever that deal was on the table so let's say you go out kids mow the lawn and your dad says i'm going to pay you 10 bucks if you mow the lawn and pick up after all the dogs you go in and he says here's your 10 bucks because this is what you've earned for the things that you've done well god says the things that you have done have earned us death that is what we get but, but, the biggest but in the Bible, but the gift of God, that thing that we can't earn, that we can't deserve, that we cannot work towards, the gift of God is eternal life of Jesus Christ our Lord. How exciting is that? I mean, after you read that, does it just warm you up just a little bit about where you used to be and where you are now? Does that make you just a little bit excited about your future in heaven versus your future not in heaven? We should be just a little bit excited about that, and that excitement should—not saying it will—but it should kind of ooze out of you. Should be a little evident. You should have a little bit of joy. Should be excited that you're free at last. These are things that we should have, you know. I don't know about you, but that song, Amazing Grace, I'm going to go back to it for a second. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. You know what a wretch is? Anybody here have cats? I'm not a cat person. I've, I've never liked cats. Because they start doing this thing where they go, and their back gets all, and all of a sudden they go, and their jaw dislocates and this thing falls out of their mouth clump of something or other that i'm not going to touch that's a wretch that's a wretch because they just wretched it out that's the description i have when i say that's a wretch like me but this amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now i'm found was blind but now i see it was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved my fears are gone how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Life changed like that. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. I have hope. There's another version of that song that Chris Thomas recently sang, and it adds into it. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love. Unending love. Amazing grace. When we sing those songs, we just sing it for the words to it, or are we actually sing, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing my entire destiny. Thank you for changing my life. How important is it that God came into your life and that you have the opportunity to sit in here and worship today? How much more important is it that he died for your friends and he died for your family members and he died for your neighbors and he died for your you're everything your coworkers everybody that's around you and yet they don't know and they're walking around in hopelessness thinking that their good works are going to do something your good works don't do jack squat that's plain it's simple paul tells us over and over and over in the things that we've gone through and as he says it he says you know what we need to understand who we are we need to understand what god has done for us And I think as we understand who we are and what God has done for us, it's changed the way that we relate to people and changed the way that we talk to people and changed the way that we reach out to people. There's a story in Mark chapter 2 about four guys who had a friend that was paralyzed and Jesus had just come into town. Now Jesus at this point in time in his ministry is a rock star. Everybody's totally impressed with all the things that he's doing. Now later on in his life, not so impressive for, for these same people. They're the same people that hung him up on the cross. But at this point in time, they wanted to get to know him. There wasn't TV. There wasn't movies. There wasn't PS3. There wasn't all those things to distract. They wanted their entertainment right here in this Jesus character. So he goes into this house, and this house completely fills up. So much so, there's people falling all over the place outside, just trying to get a glimpse. Just trying to hear a little bit about what Jesus is teaching. And these four friends, see their paralyzed friend? and They're like, hey, we got him on this mat, but there's no way we're going to get through this crowd. There's no way we're going to get through it. They could have easily said, well, buddy, we thought it was a good idea. We knew that Jesus could help you. We knew that Jesus could save you. But tough luck. We can't quite do it. There's some obstacles in our way. They didn't say that. Instead, what they do is one of the guys says, hey, you know what? Why don't we go get up on the roof and tear a hole in this stinking roof? That's the easiest way in. We can't get in through the door. Let's find another way. So they tear a hole in the roof. They lower him down. All the people in the town are like, what is going on here? This man is being lowered through the ceiling. That's paralyzed. All the VIPs have probably got the front row seats. All the religious people are probably going, What in the world's going? Shame on you for disrupting Jesus actually talking for doing ministry. Jesus isn't supposed to do ministry. Now he's trying to teach. That's not what's supposed to happen. It's all supposed to happen in a way. Jesus could have easily said, What are you guys doing? Could have said anything he wanted to. But instead. Jesus heals the man of his sins. And not only does he heal the man of his sins, because everybody's like, oh, how does this guy have any authority to heal sins? He also heals him of his paralytic condition and brings him, and he gets up out of his, Uh, I mean, all the whole town is watching. He stands up, rolls up his mat, and walks out the door. At any point in time, his four friends could have given up on him. Any point in time, there's too many people in the crowd. What are the, all the people in the crowd going to think when we tear a hole in the roof? There's going to be cost involved because we have to replace that roof. There's going to be people that are going to talk badly about us because we interrupted a teaching of Jesus. There's going to be all sorts of things, there's all sorts of excuses. But they didn't want anything to keep them from getting their friend to Jesus. How can we be like those four guys? How can we be like those four guys and say, hey, my neighbor really needs Jesus, but I got lots of excuses not to do anything about it. My coworker, that guy in the cubicle next to me that talks all kinds of things that he shouldn't be saying, he needs Jesus. But how in the world is he ever going to do it? I can't do it, right? I mean, there's too many obstacles between me and him. My family member, I don't want to upset anybody in my family because they might talk bad about me on Thanksgiving. Well, guess what they do anyway? Um, the, The whole thing is, the whole thing is, is we've got to put the obstacles aside and we've got to get people to Jesus. Why? Because it is exciting right here. Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6. We have been saved from death. We've been saved from eternal separation from God. And we need, we need, not we should, we need to reach out to people. I just told Laura and Pam this morning. We got to walk around in uh in the concert hall this week and, uh, and kind of see, and they're, they're pretty excited about us. Well, I don't know, they. The theater department's pretty excited about, about us using it, and they're telling us all the things we can do. And I'm in there, and I'm like, all right, so how many is this, how many is this seat? And there's some seats up kind of behind that we're not going to be able to use. And they said, probably about 1,000 and change. They said, oh, man, I've been praying for 1,200. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do if we get 1,200 people? I know what we're going to do. We're going to set up chairs, and we're going to have people crammed in just like, just like uh, Jesus had in his house. And we're going to get people in there. We're not going to use, well, there might be too many people there for my friend to get involved. And stuff. We're going to figure out a way. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to let any obstacles stand in our way. And we were just talking about this morning what we're going to do in the nursery and in the kids' department. Because if we have 1,200 adults, <laughs> we need more volunteers. That's what that means. Okay, so we're really excited about what's taking place here. And I hope you are too. And that's the reason why we exist as a church. And that is the reason why we're going to reach out. And that's the reason why we're doing Easter. We're not just doing it because Easter sounds fun. Easter's the holiday. We have to do something. on. We're doing it because we want people to know about this great gift that God has given. And we want people to understand that Jesus died for their sins right where they were. Right where they are. Not that they have to get better and polish up that outside. But God wants to take them right as they are and change them. Who have you been praying for? Who's your one, one, one? Because it's time to stop just praying for them and go out and talk to them? Because now that you've talked to God about them, it's time to, for you to talk to them about God. I want to pray for you to do that this morning. I want to pray right now and ask, the, ask Jerome to come up and close up with us today. We're going to be singing a song called Hallelujah. Your love sets me free. Your love is amazing, steady, and unchanging. What a great thing. That word hallelujah, you know, Chuck threw it out a little bit ago. That word hallelujah means praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because His love has set us free. Free from the bondage of sin. Let's get excited about it this morning. As we pray and as we sing. It's okay to move around just a little bit, you know. You don't have to move your feet, but maybe just sway your hips a little bit. It's okay. That's not real dancing. As long as you're not moving your feet, you're not dancing, I promise. You can kind of do the half-Baptist hands up. You don't have to put them all the way up. You know, whatever you want to do. Maybe just one, beat in the chest a little bit. Whatever it takes, all right? But let's praise God that He has saved us, that He has saved us from eternal damnation and brought us into a new life. Let's pray. Father, thank You. That's all we can say. Thank You for Your love for us. Even though we are still sinners, You sent Your Son to die a brutal death. And to take all of our sins on him and defeat death in the grave and rise again so that we could have eternal life. There's somebody here that does not know that, Lord. I pray, I pray, Lord, this morning that you're speaking to them and leading them closer to you. And today is the day they want to make the decision to receive that gift. I pray, Lord, they come and talk to me. I pray it all in your name. Amen.